This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. Today, I'm fortunate enough to be joined by former rugby league player and current head coach of the Australian National Rugby League team, Mal Meninga. Mal is a Sport Australia Hall of Fame member and is the most successful state of origin head coach. Welcome, Mal. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cameron. Nice to be here. Mal, I'd be interested in understanding uh, your journey with regards to what sport used to look like for you and how it sort of morphed from uh, you know your earliest memories of playing sport and where it was. Growing up in in rural Queensland, um, you know, sport was the social fabric of any community, basically, in, in those townships, and um, rugby league was was central to all that. But um, how I grew up playing sport was through the school systems, you know. So the school provided you know many opportunities for me to play cricket. Well, it was mainly was rugby league and cricket in the rugby league in the winter and cricket in the in the summer, basically. But you could play other sports like soccer or basketball or anything you want to get swimming, whatever you want to get your your hands on. Um, you know, I played basically. So um, you know, I grew up playing rugby league in the school systems. Um, yeah, mum and dad were heavily involved in the in the community rugby league as or the school 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 systems as well. Then eventually that that came into a lot of parents, you know, wanted their kids to play club footy. And um so I'm going through I'm sort of mid mid sixties, sort of late sixties, and uh, you know, mum and dad will with a number of parents will start a club footy up, you know. So it might be and through schools it was more the the weight divisions as well. So I was, you know, I was a nine year old kid, you know, playing footy, playing rugby league in the sort of sixteen, seventeen, you know. So I'm nine year old, I'm playing against eleven and twelve year olds. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't age relative. It was all around weight those days as well. So so mum and dad and a number of other parents, you know, started club rugby league. So, you know, under sixes and under sevens or those days in the bush was sixes and eights and tens and twelves. Sort of go up by by two lots of age groups because mainly because of numbers. So um yeah, I mean, and I grew up playing that. So I think, you know, from my point of view, um, you know, it was, rugby league was central. Uh, I loved, I loved the sport. Mum and dad were heavily involved as coaching. Mum was, you know, the the mum that did the canteen, watched the jerseys, took us to footy if we need to go to footy or go to the games and things like that. Um, always remember, you know, mum sitting on sidelines, you know, barracking for dad when he played, you know, he was captain coach of most, most regional teams and he, he went and played because he was very transient as well, lifestyle, you know, because you followed the, the money, I suppose. And he used to work in, in sawmills or cut cane or whatever the case may be, whatever community he was involved in. So it was very fond memories. You know, I really enjoyed uh, the environment, loved the experience. And I think, because of my upbringing, it enabled me to become a more resilient person. You know, I was motivated. I had the passion for for whatever I did. I always, you know, wanted to be – I was always competitive. I always wanted to win no matter what I did, you know. Even at school, at school-based level, even in, in my studies, I wanted to be, you know, a good student as well. So it was a you – know, that was how I was brought up in rugby league and, um, you know, things have obviously changed today. You're talking about your father working in in different jobs and so on, but still working uh, playing for the region. When you came through the system, you obviously had to work and and also play rugby. Up until when was that? 
I loved playing the game, but I never really had any aspirational about playing the game at the highest level. Um, again, I grew up um, you know, watching or reading Eden Blyden books, you know, Secret Seven, Famous Five, um, watching, you know, police force. I always had the police shows on Division Four, Bellbird, all those sort of all, all those sort of shows, you know, grew up growing up in the late sixties, early seventies. So I had ambitions to be a, a policeman. So uh, I went to the Queensland Police Academy uh, after I finished my junior certificate. Um, and I, was, I went, so that was 15 years of age. I left home, uh, went down to, to Brisbane, the Oxley Academy down there, and, um, and joined the police force, basically. So I was a cadet there. And uh, that enabled me then to do my senior certificate and also study police law, and then obviously graduated to become a police policeman. Um, I was sort of recruited on, I guess, my physical prowess as well. And um, ironically enough, a f- young, young police um, constable, uh, senior constable I was, by the name of Wayne Bennett, was actually one of the instructors there at the academy. And he seen me play some touch on the footy field, basically. And um, and I went all right, he said to me, and um, he said to me, do you play rugby league? And I said, yes, I do. And I was sort of, you know, I was... I didn't quite know how to answer him, but yeah, I was a bit, bit, bit petrified at the time. And um, and he said, "Oh, we'll see." You know, he said to me, "I said, oh, geez, you know, I'm at the academy, and uh, it was all about discipline. The academy is, you know, get up such a amount of time. It was all about routine and discipline and doing your study. And um, but again, it was a really terrific environment. And obviously, Wayne uh, mentored me through my early years. You know, 16, 17, 18, 19 years years of age. I remember him saying to me one time in front of a group, you know, this is where you know, Wayne Bennett gets his reputation around managing people. He said to me, Mel, you can do anything you, you want to in life as long as you put your mind to it. And and he, he brought me up on Vince Lombardi around, you know, goal setting, the will to win, all that sort of stuff. And that that sort of resonated with me. I, I kind of liked all that. And when he, when he told me that I could do anything I want to, as long as I put my mind to it, I went up to my, my room at the academy and I, I put down a number of goals, and it wasn't it wasn't police goals; it was rugby league goals. Because then I've started to realise that you know you can play rugby league at a higher level. So I wanted to, I wanted to play for my state, Queensland, uh, uh, in 1979 uh, at 18 years of age, and I achieved that. I ticked off, and I just ticked off goals ever since. Basically, when I started to achieve that, and um, had a profound influence on me uh, in those early years. And uh, which led to me, obviously, to, to the things I do today. The impact that a coach can have on a player, but even shifting that to the impact that a coach can have in the community level on other aspects of people's lives uh, is is profound. And, and I think there's a, a remarkable, almost a responsibility on coaches with regards to building better people. Yeah, well, we have a program in the NRL called the RISE program. And the RISE program eventually or came out of the, the kangaroo systems where we looked at our values and looked at, you know, how we wanted to be, how we wanted to behave, how we wanted to be seen, um, how we wanted to protect the game. And this RISE program, we talked to the coaches about that that very fact around the influence and the impact they can have on their young players and their and their lives and the communities out social outcomes as well because a lot of we understand that you know um, in communities there's a you know there's broken families there's other things that can that go that go go with um, that person's young young life it's just just rugby league it's school it's you know, what they do in their, their own time, you know, it's family backgrounds and things like that. So if they can have a positive influence on those young people, 
Um, because that, that's what we talk about. We don't talk about talent. We don't talk about skill. We don't talk about how good a player is. It's about what, how good a, a person he is. And when we talk about recruitment, we don't, we, we know, we understand that they're skillful and they can run fast and they can jump high and they can tackle well and, you know, all those skill sets you need. But we need to know the person. And if you get the person right and you get the characteristics of that person right, well, then you're going to get a very good rugby league player. And you're going to get a very good rugby league player that's going to play for their country. Yeah, that's that's an incredible program. I mean, I think that's great looking holistically at people. Hearing your stories, you came through the system. Fast forwarding to today, what are the major shifts that you've seen in athletes from from back then to athletes now? All the time. I mean, more knowledgeable, uh, obviously better prepared. Um, you know. Still, still the same sort of characters when I just talked about before around the character of the person as opposed to the the football player. They're much better football player today. They're better, better but well-rounded, very, you know, like I said, uh, well-prepared. Um, they're faster, fitter, you know, they jump higher, all those sort of things, mainly because of the the, the, the circumstances they, they're involved in, you know, the situations that they're involved in. But the characteristics of the player hasn't changed at all. You know, we, we want a, a player that, you know, He's got strong character. He's got a a sense of resilience, a sense of um, community about him, loyalty, team. You know all those all those characteristics that you want in an individual um, that you know won't let the team down. And when they put that jersey on, um, they won't let their 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 club down. They won't let their community down. They won't let their state down. They won't let their country down. Um, And that's how that's how that's how I look at things when I. I go into the, the uh, representative programs, um, and Queensland's got you know vast history around. He mightn't be the best player. Um, he might even be the best player you know, at the club, and sometimes he may struggle to be the best player. He might even play first grade at the club, but we know that the person he is, and we know that uh, what's what the jersey means to him, um, and we prefer to pick and have those players playing. Um, than someone that's going to be high maintenance and someone's going to take uh, a lot of work to, to get ready. Because, you know, when you come into a rep program, you haven't got long to prepare them. So the person's really important. Yeah, that's not having long to prepare, knowing that you're also getting players from different systems, different regions with different playing styles or different uh, philosophies. How do you go about pulling that team together. I look at the the work with the Queensland team over the years and also with the Australian team. How do you bring those philosophies together quickly so that you can perform at the levels that uh, that you do in state of origin or internationals? We have, we have a sort of what I define as a close-the-door policy. So once they walk through the door uh, into, the, into the camp, um, we close the door behind them. Then we, then we talk about yeah, we know we know they they're all talented. So they all belong there. It's very very important that they understand that. They understand the reasons why, the purpose, and and we talk about history a lot. We talk about you know. Um, uh, so when we talk about with the Queensland program, we talked about what it means to be a Queensland player, and we'll bring in ex players and they'll talk about their experiences. But the things that we understand from from a Queensland point of view is around trust. It's around the effort. It's around the attitude. It's around you know, mateship, and with the queens, with the with the kangaroo programs, around respect, um, respect for the jersey, respect for you know, yourself, your opposition, and what and where you are in your life. That greatest sense of gratitude. Uh, we talk about inspire because we want young kids to aspire to be a kangaroo. Um, we talk about selflessness, and that's that team first attitude, um, making sure that 
they they turn up for the team. There's, you know, they do all the right things around their routines, their their habits, you know, the way they prepare for the game, and then we talk about excellence, which is around you know, wanting to prove all the time. And we provide that what I call resilient environment for them to to thrive. You know, um, we're always looking at innovation. We don't want to be boring. We, we want it to be fun. We want it to be enjoyable. Um, but they've got certain obligations and accountabilities with, with you know, putting those jerseys on. So that's really important. Um, and we play the Queensland way or we play the Kangaroos way. We don't play the club way, you know. So we don't pl- – so they've got to accept that as well. They've got to accept that um, – Collectively, you know, and and it is a collaborative environment. We don't. It's not autocratic. It's not. You know, it's very diplomatic. The way we we go about our business, and it's and my role is to make sure that um, I lead I lead that resilient environment. You know, I lead it through um, great communication channels. You know, we talk about you know talk. And we I lead it through accountability, through recognizing everybody, making sure that their contribution is is uh, rewarded. And we'd always look at how we're going to keep on improving the person foremost and, and send them back a better person um, and send them back in, in really good shape. Um, and But also, you know, hopefully they, they pick one thing up they can take back to their clubs, their club, club land, they can be a better player as well. I think that's really important. So um, and that, that environment, I think, um, if they want to buy in, take ownership over it, will give us the best chance to be successful. And it's funny, um, through the Queensland program, we, we, we never talked about winning because uh, that's, that's not the ex- that, that is the expectation, but uh, we want every player that in that squad to play the best of our ability and we'll provide everything they want to make sure that um, they're the best prepared. In the, in the kangaroo system, we talk about winning because everyone expects us to win, so why not get the, the monkey off your bat? back and, and talk about winning and how we're going to do that. And it basically comes back down to process again anyway. So it's just different ways of looking and thinking about things, but um, it's the same old process, the same routines, the same characteristics you want in your players um, and the buy in the jersey. And it's history. Yeah, that's incredible uh, the way that you pull them together. Thanks very much for joining us uh, today, Mel. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Cameron. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at sportoz.gov.au. My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.